How about yourself? I'm good. I'm good. Anyway, let me let me jump in and say I'm Tashelle. I'm a diversity, <laughs> equity, inclusion practitioner and learning consultant. And, and I'm Melody. I'm a social ethicist and an author. Awesome. And welcome to Brain Space Live, where we're having tough conversations around anti-oppression, communal healing, and so many other things in this chill atmosphere where we have decided that we're going to try and wear hoodies every week but i realized that i only have like three hoodies so we'll see I'll i'm gonna be some. comfortable i'm yeah. gonna send you i have i have some main hoodies i'm wearing my main hoodie because i'm very proud of my state here okay, I've got a, okay. a checkered moose and um i'll have to send you a main hoodie so you can wear it absolutely i'll wear <laughs> in a main philly hoodie. awesome exactly, exactly. so today we are talking about uh weaponized civility yeah. and we wanted to do this specifically because uh, there's a lot of talk right now around things like tone policing and about niceness. The book Nice White People came out recently, Robin D'Angelo. D'Angelo? Did I say that right? D'Angelo. Nice. It's called Nice Racism. Thank you. There's another book called Nice White People. There's a different one. Yeah. So this idea of niceness, tone policing, but the kind of the overarching theme is civility, what it means to be civil. And that's kind of a touchy for some folks because they're like, oh, well, Civility is always good. Why, why would I need to stop being civil? So we're not necessarily talking, telling anyone to stop being civil, but we want to just have a conversation about it. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. So you said you wanted to share a story with, um, with, a, with me, and I really want to hear um, kind of like, a, I guess, an opening to like you understanding civility and how it may work between different groups of people and what that looks like. So I want to hear the story. Okay. So um, my junior year of high, uh, college, there was a group on campus of students who were trying to get the like 95% white student body to take a couple steps forward in their comprehension and understanding of racism. So they were doing a lot of like really great kind of guerrilla activism work on campus. Mm -hmm. Uh, For context, this is like a Midwestern evangelical campus where like there's a lot of like nice white people, right? Uh, But the book, I'm dating myself a little bit, but the book, uh, Why Do All the Black Kids Sit Together in the Cafeteria had just come out and they were using this as like a touch point, this group of students using it as a touch point. So they had done enough activism that a lot of the students in the student body uh, had never encountered conversations around racism. Uh, I literally met students from like podunk towns who had never seen a black person before coming to college. Like we're dealing with like a very high degree of like non-exposure to other ways of life and and, and racial identities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So tension started to flare on campus. Um, and it kind of culminated when there was a chapel, again, this is a Christian college, a chapel service where four women of color, different ethnic and racial identities, got up and just shared about their experience being minorities on campus and how hard it was for them and expressed a lot of pain and frustration that they felt unseen, they felt gaslighted, they felt talked over, they felt minimized, marginalized. 
-hmm. And uh, not a single one of them raised their voice, but they were expressing pain and asking the student body to hear them. I watched white student after white student after white student stand up and walk out in the middle of this chapel service because they literally couldn't hear what these women were saying. And it was kind of baffling to me. I didn't understand what was going on. But uh, after that chapel service, things got so bad. Uh, someone on campus created a fake I'm a racist uh, Facebook group and was trying to get other people to join as a quote unquote joke. It got really, really touchy. So the staff decided to intervene and hold a workshop where they tried to educate white students that like, no, your whiteness isn't the only norm and you need to like get your head out of your butt to say it in a very like polite way. <laughs> yeah, under, understand things from a different perspective or understand that there are different perspectives, I guess. That's probably a, a more polite, civil way to say it. Um, so anyway, so one of the staff members named Ronnie, a man of color, black man, was uh, stood up and he said, okay, I need to, I need you all to understand something. Responding to the fact that these women, sorry, this is a long story. Responding <laughs> to the fact that these women um, in chapel were expressing themselves in ways that the white students weren't comfortable with. So Rodney got up and said, okay, I want to give you an example. In the black community, these are his words, not mine. In the black community, we might speak to each other in different ways because we see respect differently in our community. I want you all to think about this. I'm going to give you two examples and you tell me which one is more respectful. I'm going to talk to this student in the front row, a black student named Ernie that I've talked to ahead of time and he know, he's cool with this. So I'm going to, Ernie, I'm going to talk to you in two different ways and you tell me which was the most respectful. And I want all you students to be thinking about which is the most, which is the most respectful. Okay. All right. Here's number one. Example number one. Ernie, um, hey man, I noticed you got a bad grade on your paper and I just, I really need you to try harder. Can you do that for me? Example number two. Ernie. You messed up. You need to get it together now because this is not acceptable. Okay. So he asked the student body, which one to all of you was the yeah. most respectful? And almost everyone in the very white audience raised their hand. Of course, number one is more respectful. And then he said, okay, Ernie, which one to you as a black person was more respectful? He said, hands down, the second example was more respectful to me. So yeah, does this story two. surprise you? <laughs> number two? You would pick number I would two? I number two, and I think part of that is this veil of, like, often, like, it's removed a veil of, like, respectability and opened a veil of, like, um, uh, authenticity, right? So he said it without plainly, with, plainly without beating around the bush, and he said it, but you know he was saying it from care. Like, that's how I took the number two comment, so I'm guessing maybe that's how Ernie would have taken it and said in a different way. So I absolutely would say number two. I'd rather have somebody, because also I think number one kind of also begs to like, you need to do this for me and you need to do this for yourself. And it's very like, like, okay, tell me what it is, spit it out. Yeah. And, and, and to realize that that might be a cultural value. So the way Rodney, the staff member broke it down was um, he said, the way I understand it in the black community, he said, again, his words, not mine is that the second example, that more direct way of speaking, was a way to equalize power between us. Mm -hmm. And Ernie, the student was like, yeah, I felt the first time you were talking down to me and that wasn't, that felt bad to me. That makes sense. 
And so Rodney was talking about how important it is, you know, especially for communities that have been talked down to and condescending a lot, condescended to a lot, that that showing respect is also yeah, recognizing yeah. that person's power. Yeah. Yeah. Does that does that feel ring true for you? Tyshell? It does, because I just don't think that like I want someone. It is. It gives very like author authority, like, oh, you need to you need to do better. And it's just it just doesn't feel authentic to me. It just mm. I feel like if you spit it out, then you're willing to work with me. We're just talking and you're saying, like, you need to do better, man. Like, this is a um, I don't know. I, I it just seems more authentic and more. It resonates more. Yeah. So that's really interesting. So I think it, I think we can definitely like make a distinction between cultures that value like authenticity over protecting someone's feelings versus like other cultures that view, value like protecting someone's feelings versus being authentic. Right. Like what's on the surface is like this. Yeah. So. Yeah. So th we wanted to use that as a story to jump off because we really want to talk about civil civility. And I mean, I worked at a, and you talk about college. I worked at a college where they had an entire course for the freshman incoming class on civility. And I would Did they watch really? This they would wow. Talk, they would talk about holding the door was the most civil thing you could do. And I was like, yeah, until somebody who's not supposed to be there comes in behind you and you're not supposed to. Anyway, but we wanted to kind of have this conversation as we're jumping off to talk about civility. Um, so Mel, if you want to, we want to run down like what we are going to talk through and how we want to run the show, because we want to really be able to bring you different segments that we want to talk about so that you can follow us with our story and, and being able to have this conversation. So I want to absolutely give that disclaimer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Quick shout out to Rebecca Larson. It's so good to see you. And we hope to have Rebecca on this show in a couple Woo! of weeks. So yay, Rebecca, we're both, uh, we're both fans of your work and it, yeah, it, great. It's great to see you. Um, yeah, so what we want to really want to talk about uh, civility, we were thinking about a metaphor that would kind of guide this conversation. And we came up with this idea of civility as being both a sword and a shield. Mm -hmm. So civility so often is a sword in the hands of white people. And there's a like a 500 year history to that one. Uh, weaponizing civility. Civility is also becomes a shield for communities that need to use civility and play by the rules of civility to stay safe and or defend themselves. So it acts in both ways. But what often breaks down is that civility benefits white folks and it it expresses onto people of color in in negative and not so great ways. Mm -hmm. Would you say that's a pretty good rundown? I do because I mean I think there are ways we can we can later get into like how I have to like change my voice and engage. I think we talked a little bit about that last week. Yeah. But like what it means and how it expresses upon us and what it what it in turns make us look makes us look like if we're not playing by those set of rules. So the, yeah. the I, I would say that the shield and the sword are both for are both under white norms in that um it's a it can be a sword but then you can also protect yourself and say, oh, if you're not doing this, you're doing this bad thing. So I, I we can, I, I'm so ready to get into the Let's unpack it. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. So the first thing we wanted to talk about was um, just calls to be civil. Do you hear this a lot? I hear it quite often. Like, let's just be civil to each other. It's kind of, a lot of people I think use it for like, stop being mean to me. Or I don't, you're talking in a tone of voice that I don't like or. Yeah, I think what we're hearing, especially now in this political realm, is that there's no civility left in the country. Like, mm. we're so divided. You hear this all, every talking point, 
on every show that talks about politics, that talks about, you know, the state of America when it comes to race are we are so divided. We yeah. are so divided. As if these things had not been like passed into law for years and years and now, but now we are so divided because we, and I'll say people of color, black people specifically, and even honestly, you know, we're on TikTok. We see people like Modern Warrior and others who are just not taking it anymore. So we're like, now we're not being civil. So now we're so divided, right? So absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, we'll, like we'll if we were just that. nice to each other, then we would get along and these like horrible systemic oppression issues that we're having would just kind of magically float away if we could just be nice oh to each God. other. I just saw, <laughs> and, and, and we're going off topic already, but I just saw a creator on TikTok make a video saying like how white people could be better allies. And like the, she got not just responses, but response videos from white people being like, well, we should just stop talking about race. And then no. I don't know, like, oh yeah. She talked, one, of, one was like, don't touch a black woman's hair without their permission. And literally she got videos saying, I don't know anyone who touches anyone's hair. I don't know any, it's like literally because you can't see it and it hasn't happened to you, it clearly does not exist. I've never eaten guacamole, so therefore it's not real. <laughs> Right, like I what? never saw an avocado, so I <laughs> I never seen guacamole. Like I just and like she's made like four videos just full of the response videos that she's gotten from telling white oh. people how to be better allies. And yeah. like if we just have civil conversations, if, and the word civility just is like is very buzzword right now. Like and it just I just yeah. can't, I can't I can't yeah. Well, you know it's and it I think calling for civility so we're going to get into the history of that word in a moment and the, what that word has done mm -hmm. uh, in, in our, you know, many year history of a country as a country really as a world. But uh, to call people back to civility really is at this point, a step backwards. Like it's like the toothpaste has been squeezed out of the tube, in my opinion, like we can't, we've, we've learned to start relating in more authentic ways and stop policing each other's tone. And I think it's a very positive thing. We still have a lot of work to do around our public discussions, in my opinion, like as a communications person, as someone who does this for a living, as someone who writes about this and, and, you know, it, it's trained, it's trained in ethics and all that. I don't think calling people back to civility is helpful for the future. We need to find better and healthier ways of relating than civility because it, it places constrictions on us that are not good. Oh my God. It, it is. It is so because civility really is kind of like, it, it, if we're calling it a shield, it's like a shield around real authenticity. If, if this is authenticity, then the shield is civility. And it's like, we can have authentic conversations. They don't have to be tamped down. People's experiences can be expressed and you don't, you can still be a nice person at the end of the day. Like, I don't know, we can get into that. Like, I'm just so like, anyway, let's talk about the history of civility. Yeah, well, okay, before we do that though, can we, I'm remembering this story you told me of being at a, okay, let me see if I remember this correctly and then you can tell the story. Uh, you were in uh, an interview, a group interview and they asked people if they could be famous for anything, what would they be famous for? Do you remember this? This was you, right? It was, yes, yeah. it was. It okay, was please tell interview. the story. So, yes, yeah, so my job was, we were at the job that I was working at a nonprofit and we were going around having conversation and everybody was like, if you could be famous and known for one thing, what would it be? And like three white people said, I'd be known for being so nice or so kind and i was like how do you but what 
Like, but what did you do? Like that made you nice or kind? Like they were. I just be known for being nice, and I was like, me and my other black coworker were like, what? You, how do you? What does that do? Like when what does you're it known, mean? like right on your tombstone, Melody was really fucking nice. Like, what? Or, like, and I mean, I want to talk a little bit about the difference between nice and kind anyway, but like, totally. how can you be known for, like, are you a philanthropist? Are you uh, an activist? What are, are you, you doing in the world? What are you yeah. doing to make you nice? And I was like, <laughs> what? I can't even, and at this point, I can't even remember what answer I gave, but it was totally not that. I was like, <laughs> and, and yeah, oh my God. I, and, and of I, course, because they work in a nonprofit, they're all nice people nice yeah they're they're just they're 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 nice and like i'm not trying to harsh on nice people but it's such a high cultural value of niceness that often like what we sacrifice to be nice is so immense that niceness can become a problem when that's like you like worship the altar of niceness yeah yeah anyhow uh We'll, we'll okay. get into some of that because I'm just, I, I could sit here and we could spend the entire hour of me telling you stories of people, of white people's niceness or yeah. people telling me that somebody else is nice, which I do have a story about that I'll, I want to tell you about. Okay. Um, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> so tell us about the, a little yeah. bit about the history of civility. So, um, this is a sordid history. This is a, this is an awful history. And a lot of times it, it really gets into the way that we, that we teach or don't teach history in our country. Uh, it's, it goes back to, I would say the late 1400s, probably earlier, mm-hmm. with what's called the Doctrine of Discovery, where uh, Pope Alexander VI gave, issued a papal bull, which is like a declaration akin to scripture in Catholic teaching. Issued a papal bull, a papal decree that said uh, that Europeans were supposed to go into all the world and topple barbarous nations in the name of Christ. That, those are the words of the, the edict. Barbarous nations. Uh, topple, topple them under the name of Christ and conquer in the name of Christendom. And so what happened is you had all these uh, not just explorers, not just, you know, assholes like Columbus and, and all, all those like Magellan and people going around the world in in brand i think it's so interesting too because this just happened to coincide with uh technological advances in shipbuilding so suddenly europeans like figured out how to how to make really good ships and they're like oh god told us to go take other people's god's here and he said he wants you to get on this ship actually he he helped us create this ship for you to get on and go around the world go around the world and and so so the so let's pay attention for a moment to this word barbarous, barbarians, mm-hmm. people who are not civilized. So civility from the beginning of colonization was like the principal mechanism and justification that white <coughs> Europeans gave themselves for stealing other people's land, labor, and committing committing just horrifying human rights atrocities for centuries civility was the foundation so to tell people today that we need to just go back to civility and not recognize the painful horrible history that was the engine that fueled colonization that's really problematic yeah yeah i mean i can't even when you when you when we start to look at like 
etymology and we start to look at things like civil, civility, civilization. So like, I just, I'm like, there's a reason that all of these words have the same root word. Like it should, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I I can't. It, it's I'm I'm like baffled by the thought of the doctrine, which I know exists, but yeah. Well, I think some people would argue. So, like, if I can like argue against myself for a moment. Mm -hmm. Well, that was a corruption of the concept of civility. Like, real right. civility goes back to ancient Greece. This idea that you know we're going to build cities and be sort of democratic. But also, ancient <laughs> civility was only for like property owning. Ma gentrified males like it, it also still had this conception of hierarchy and marginalization implicit in it that like Tychella back then you or I would not have been able to participate in the civitas because we are women right? right or presenting women um so so yeah so civility like and then you get to like even more modern day like the last for example again this is sorted history but the last residential school closed in 1972 I believe uh, yep. where native children were taken forcibly from their homes and put into these institutions where there were, again, horrible human rights abuses, including the fact that the reason we know uh, the nutrition value that is necessary for human beings to survive is because native children in these schools were experimented on and tested on and yeah. deprived of nutrients until they, they broke down. Uh, so, so when we're talking about civility again you're evoking not just the history of stealing land not just the history of committing genocide not just the history of of millions of people taken into enslavement mm -hmm. you're also talking about the history of things like residential schools where where native people were civilized in order to and the prevailing mantra and i i apologize for even repeating this but this is for educational purposes the prevailing mantra of these schools was kill the indian to save the child Right, right, right. So the concept was we have to save someone's soul by forcing them to become civil, which means looking and dressing and speaking like us, having Western Europeanized hairstyles and dress and not being permitted to speak native languages, not being permitted to uh, to practice native religions. In fact, it was illegal for natives to practice their religion or wear uh, native garb until the 70s as well. Uh, so, so you're evoking this idea of forcing people to become civil and saying that civil, in, in the long history of our country, civil has had to look a certain way in order to count as civil. So native ways of governance, native ways of, of, uh, of, of peace building and justice making, none of that counted because it didn't look Western, it didn't look European. So again, so I think that brings us into the next part of our question is like, who gets to decide what civil is? Right. When we say well, let's I mean, just be who civil. Who gets to decide or who who is deciding? Because you think when you think about like the history of civility and, and up until and uh, until now, right? It exists in a certain plane and there's only certain conversations that can be had unless and until you take certain things from a culture and decide that that's even more beautiful but only through the lens of whiteness, right? Yeah. Um and again, well, I think we said this last week when we're talking about whiteness we're talking about an ideology, um, an overarching way of being, a norm, and not individual people specifically. Now, individual people do play as actors in that system, and when we're talking about whiteness as a system, but it becomes this conversation there where we think, I, I think of even things, and we'll have 
countless conversations about this, about how things become, um, uh, like yoga becomes something that, when you think about yoga, that you think about like a thin white woman doing yoga, but that's not where it comes from. And it's usually mid to heavy set Indian women doing, you know, this practice, right? So it we can take things from another culture, but we have to have them through the lens of whiteness. So it, it, it just, it stands out to me as one of those, like who gets to decide what the norms are, who gets to, whose etiquette rules do we follow? How do we, like who decided that we needed four forks on one place setting, right? Like what is etiquette, right? And I think about that all the time. Like mm. what, for, the salad fork, the, the dessert fork, the, I'm like, what, one fork. And like, and who decided <laughs> that you had to eat with a fork anyway, right? Like, yeah. you know, why can't you have food and have just food and eat with your hands? Yeah. But, but I, civility is so, so, no, civility is so synonymous. And like, when I think civility, I think having a British tea party. Like, mm-hmm. that is, like, one and the same in my mind. And I've done, like, a fair amount of, like, deconstructive work around this concept, but I still associate those two things as being, like... Oh, absolutely. I think about, yeah. like, old English dress with a long petticoat skirt, and I'm like, oh, it's be civil. And it's I'm, just and, civil. Yeah. Right. And I'm going back into that exit I said I wasn't going to do last week again. But it is one of those things, and I just, you know, so we all know what it's rooted in, even if you are a part of it or... If you are like me as a person of color or a BIPOC person, you still know what, what it means. But often like what we're trying to do now is deconstruct that, that process for ourselves, that thought process for ourselves. And what, what does it mean to live? Because that's what, you know, why are all the, as you mentioned earlier with, I think it's Beverly Daniel Tatum's book, why are the black kids sitting together in the cafeteria? What it looks like to be a certain way outside of your home or when you're engaging with white people and how you have to act to have these conversations, right? To, to be civil with people. But it, it's, so it's, it's, a, it's just a lot of, uh, there's a lot that goes into that. There's this, what we call dual consciousness, right? And dual consciousness being living in your own um, ethnicity, your own culture, and then also having to understand the norms and the customs of white culture as well to be able to live um, in live and thrive in the society that we live in called, you know, America and honestly other places in the world as well. Right. So I just wanted to kind of define dual consciousness or double consciousness as it, you know, stands as a definition. That's a great breakdown. And to highlight the fact that so many white folks, unless we really take the time to try to understand that because we don't have a concept we're not, we are taught not to see that. We are taught not to have a concept of that. Like case in point, the study, the story I told at the beginning of the episode about the, um, the student body not being able to comprehend that speaking in a more direct tone of voice could possibly be respectful. Like not even, that was like literally the first time in my life growing up in like this like nice white pastor's family that I had ever conceived that other people could be speaking in ways to each other that were different from me, but could be just as valid, you know? Uh, I just didn't even, I hadn't even thought, like the thought, thought it hadn't even entered my brain. So it, um, yeah. it's so, so important. The, I wanted to talk about this and, and, and you, you said it, so it kind of linked me to where I was going with this, what it does and how it positions people, right? So when we're talking about what is nice, right? Um, white people get the moniker of nice with ha- having done nothing. They just get, like, I come from a nice family. 
Like, black people don't say usually say, like, words like that. Like, I come from a nice family. Like, what does that mean? Mm. And I think when we're talking about civility, what it does often to white people is it places them as perpetually innocent. Mm-hmm. Like, when you hear things like, um, you can hear terms like, or thought processes like, um, I come, I'm, I'm from a really sheltered family. I come from a really sheltered area, right? That uh, presumes that someone else outside of the sheltered area that you call what are you, what you consider sheltered is bad or mean or could be or a potential threat and you are perpetually innocent because you were sheltered away from things and even when people of color say it they often mean they grew up in the suburbs adjacently or close to white people as well right they'll Interesting. say i grew up sheltered and you and I, and I had to tell people sheltered from what sheltered mm. by who what does that make you right because it, it just there's something that's this this outside threat and you are so innocent that you grew up in this sheltered environment and i'm not saying that growing up with a a two-parent household with enough money is not a good thing but it doesn't also make you innocent and it also doesn't make the people outside of your family or your unit or your suburb which we'll, we can have a different conversation on what redlining in suburbs even is outside of that as not in it. Like I grew up in an inner city in what you what people would call a ghetto, like in the inner city. Um, but does that make me not innocent? Like who, I, was, I didn't grow up sheltered. So what does that mean? I grew up in a house, so technically sheltered, but what does that mean? And how does that play out when we're talking about who is innocent and who is not? Right. And then yeah. what is civil and what is it? And how can we have those those types of conversations based on where we grew up and how we engage? Do you mm. know what I mean? So I, I, so I, I think about that all the time because I hear this, that person's so nice. And can we just have nice conversations when we get into like, you can talk a little bit about tone policing and what that means. It's like, what, what if we're having a nice conversation, what is missing? Because these things that are malicious and racist and homophobic and xenophobic aren't nice. So how do we talk about them? So it positions you as not guilty and you as innocent as in you as not having any fault and you as feeling good. If what, what conversation are we then having? Mm-hmm. Like it, yeah. it, it, in that conversation, no matter how, what we have in that conversation, how we have to have that conversation is I have to coddle you. Yeah. Because you're innocent and you did nothing and mm. you're just here to have a nice conversation because you're such a nice person. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's like like you were talking about a few minutes ago. Niceness as a shield for white people, a shield against uh, knowing better. So they have to be responsible for that knowledge. If white people right. get to be perpetually innocent and have to be protect, protected, like psychologically protected from like the realities of the truth of these systems of oppression, then we can never reckon with those things right. if we're always protected from them. And that's what I mean. I think we mean by the, by the, by the shield, but then also the sword is that you can throw that dagger whenever I'm saying something that doesn't fit into your schema of what is nice yep. or what is civil. Mm-hmm. And if I don't abide by it, then I am a threat. I'm, I'm a threat. Yeah. I have now broken down whatever is civility. Like, no, I mean, I'll invoke the thought, um, the the event of Maxine Waters telling people to go up in people's faces while they're having dinner. Like that's not often happening where I'm going up to some random Republicans face and I'm going to yell at them because they didn't vote for the bill that I wanted or whatever. That doesn't 
happen very often. And would that be civil, uncivil? But then who decides what's civil? Is it civil that I'm going to yell in this person's face who voted against things that are human rights um, violations or whatever, who voted for human rights violations, who voted against um, other people's humanity? Or is it uncivil that they did it in a, like, even the way our, I'm just, I'm thinking so deeply into this. Uh, this is probably Good. That's what I'm this processing is for. right now. Yes. But like, so <laughs> is, it, is it uncivil that I yelled at them while they were having dinner or is it uncivil that they voted against um, DACA, right? Uh, like, is that the yeah. thing? Or is it, 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 it so I'm, the thing I'm thinking deeply about that makes me even think more as we're having this conversation is the way our Congress is set up, and this is doesn't matter if it's Democrat or Republican, we're voting on people's humanity in suits and ties with gavels, and you get to talk now, and you get to talk now, and you get to talk now, and five minutes and yield. That, that's civil, but we're literally voting against people putting kids in cages, mm. um, uh, running coups around the like. So the as long as we do it nicely, yeah. you should be able to go out and have dinner, and I should not yell at you about it. And if I go to the to the courthouse and, and I'm yelling at my congressman that I'm gonna get arrested because I wasn't being civil. Like that is just such a a mind bend for me. I don't I can't. Like I can't. Totally. No, it's totally is. Like it's it's really wild that that you're right. We can have this like polite conversation around who gets human rights and like and then just like you know, then I'm I'm off my job now. Uh, it really reminds me of a lot of the conversations I was having with white folks who mm-hmm. didn't, weren't really tuned in last summer uh, during the protests. Just who I, the number of white people I, who I heard was like, well, why do they have to be so, so angry? And like, they just seem like they're, they're breaking things and they're mean, like they, right? They. Um, they're just being mean and they're just as being destructive. Like, I don't want to, I'm not going to listen to them if they're acting like that. And I'm like, how can you not see that people are in pain and they're expressing their grief? Like, why is that hard to comprehend? And we, you and I've talked a lot about in the past, like how, how racism is fundamentally a failure of empathy. It's training our senses not to empathize with other human beings. Um, but yeah, this, this idea that like, I'm not going to hear you at all unless you are being civil according to my definition of civil. Right. Even if you're expressing right. immense pain <clears throat> and frustration, for example, if your communities have been protesting police brutality for 60 years and now millions of people are protesting and there's still no congressional action, that's, you have a right to be angry about that. You have a right to, to, to cry and trash stuff in the streets, in my opinion. If that's like, if you're, if, if it's either between that and losing hope completely in the, the democratic uh, process or the, the country itself, like, I, I don't know, like at least people care enough to be out there protesting. Like, I don't understand why it's so hard for some people to see this. And I'm not trying to say like, I'm necessarily righteous for being the one who can see it because I've had like people like you, Tychel, who have taught me so much about this stuff and allowed me to help me see with new eyes. But, uh like I'm ranting so, a bit. Yeah, no, well, we can go into this for like for days. Yeah. So one of the things I wanted to do is kind of talk a little bit about how it expresses onto people of color. Yeah. Right. Um, so when we say, and I'm, I'm going to tell you this, my, my, this is my story um, at this time. So like, I just feel like, so I've, I've had so many incidents where people will tell me that somebody's a nice guy after they's, they've done what, what I'll call a, I'll term a racial blunder. 
Okay. Or, you know, and it can be a form of a microaggression or yep. they've done. T- so, in, and when we say microaggression, it is a slight or act often unintentional um, that happens. And sometimes we, people refer to them as backhanded compliments, but not all microaggressions are that. Actually, microaggressions is an, is an umbrella term for micro, micro inequities, micro, uh, micro assaults, and micro invalu- invalidations. And the term was coined by Daryl Wing Sue in 2010. I know all of this because I do a two hour workshop That's on impressive. microaggressions. Yeah, <laughs> I do a two hour <laughs> workshop on microaggressions. So we don't even have enough time to sit here and just break all of that down. But micro micro assaults are um, when you display something like a Confederate flag or a swastika. Like it's in my face. You did it intentionally, but that so that's a, a micro assault. And the only reason it's not a full assault is because it's not um, physical. Okay. Um, so a micro invalidation is just saying you're not. This is you're not here. You don't understand. You you are not welcome. Right. So that's like serving um, a person of color. Uh, serving a white person before a person of color in a restaurant, something like that, micro-invalidation. And then a micro-inequity, or or no, sorry, a micro-inequity is serving a white person before a person of color. A micro-invalidation is like when you ask an Asian person, where are you from? Where are you really from? And they're like, I'm from Boston. And and they're like, "Mm, but where's your family from? And it's it's like you're a perpetual foreigner in this country that you may have been here for because because then the only people who belong in this country are white people right so it's like where are you from it's like okay but where are you from todd like what does that mean (laughs) so 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 i constantly have things happen to me where somebody tells me that um this person is a nice guy like never fail always um and in the one of the more surprising ones is i was working or not more surprising i was working at an uh and i say institution but i was working at a university and it was at a meeting with the president of the university and he called me by another black woman's name right and he goes yeah Tasha, i'm gonna call that person sheila and he's like hey sheila and i'm like oh that's not my name and he's like yeah and he was like convinced it was my name he's like yeah sheila and then he looked at other people and they were like no why would you lie about that <laughs> I don't think he was lying. I think he was like telling me like, yes, that's you. And I was like, no, why would me? you so lie about your right. name? Oh yeah. Why would I lie? About yeah. It? So then, um, so he, so he, he muffled or he fumbled around and all of these different things. And then he proceeded to name every other person that, that was at the table with me, I guess like to show himself that he wasn't like he knew names but the problem wasn't that and I was new so I didn't expect him to really know my name but he called me the other only other black woman in that in in our department's name who Mm. had been there for two years at this point I had been there for about six months but he should know that you're not Sheila no I don't expect the president of the university to know my name like I just work here that's fine I mean Probably he should because there's like only five black people who worked in in the school that I knew of anyway, to the point where me and another black person, we saw each other in the hallway, we hugged. We didn't know each other at all. We were just like, hey girl, you, me, us. So anyway, so he called me this other person's name. He called me Sheila and I was like, I'm not Sheila. And after that, like every person who um, I brought brought it up to or who brought it up to me, they'd be like, yeah, I heard what the... But he's such a nice guy. I know he didn't mean it. He's such a nice guy. I know he didn't mean it. He's such a nice guy. I'm like, I know he didn't mean it. Like, he didn't mean to call me Sheila or he wouldn't have tried to correct himself. Like, I get that. 
And he, people just wanted to tell me how nice of a guy he was mm. to kind of take away his the racial blunder that he had made. And honestly, the only thing it did was reinforce how bad it was. And what they were doing, and this is often what microaggressions does to, to people of color, um, and I'm gonna say for me as a black person, is that it's telling me that what I, what happened is not is is not a big deal, and I'm I'm making too big of a deal out of it if I get oh. upset. So it feels invalidating to you. It is. It's it's very yeah. very invalidating. And they're like, he didn't mean it. He didn't mean it. He didn't mean it and because they don't even want to have a conversation about why he did it, about what could be at play when something like that is happening. They just want me to know that he's a nice person. And the thing is, I didn't go into the conversation with them. However, it got brought up. I wasn't like, did you hear about the president of this university? He's <laughs> such an asshole. I would literally just say like, yeah, he called me Sheila. And they'd yeah. be like, but you, I, I know he didn't mean it. He's such a nice guy. And I'm like, okay, but he can still be a nice guy. So are you assuming that anybody who does things that are by mistake are not nice people? If you get into a car accident and you stay and you all exchange, you know, is somebody going that I'm a really good driver. I'm a really good driver running after the, the car, the ambulance, or even the bumper of the other person. Like we're not doing that. Yeah. And I'm, I can tell you, I'm, I'm going to give you another, another short story because it, it, it happens all the time. Um, so I was actually working as an, as a independent cons- contractor, a consultant at a company and we were having a conversation about race and, and diversity. We were doing a train the trainers. So I was getting, I had, I'm already trained, but I was getting trained by this company and how they want us to have these conversations. And the, the person who's training the trainers, an older white gentleman, I'm gonna call him, I'm gonna call him Doug. Ken. Ken. Doug, I'll call him Doug. Doug. I, like, I like Doug better. Oh, so yeah. I'm gonna call him Doug. So we, so Doug is presenting to us and he's explaining whatever, and he says the N-word. And I was like- Why? He was saying it to like say, this is what people do, so you have to be ready for that. But instead of just saying, sometimes people say the N-word, he said it. And even I'm not gonna say it right now. But he said it, and it's on, and there are only two black, mind you, we're training diversity practitioners, and How there strange. are only two black yeah. people and it's me and, and this is during the pandemic. So it's me and another girl and we're on, we did a zoom in while everybody else was in the room and we're looking at each other. Like, I know he did not just say the N word and we, and we're on the, and I said, excuse me, uh, Doug, I have to, I, I, I need to say that like, I don't think that was okay that you said the N word and he goes, and he's trying to backtrack out of it. And he's like, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying, but like, you know, sometimes people say it. And instead of just like apologizing and moving forward, he goes, yeah, often like when men say the word bitch, <laughs> call and we were- Oh no, this guy should not be leaving. You did, you did no. not, right. And I'm like, you did not just try to downplay the, the N word by saying bitch. And I was oh. like, sir, no, 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 oh. no. So then I went to the the CEO of this company and I told her um, what had happened and I said this is a problem um, and I don't I won't I won't work with him and immediately she was like well he's a really nice guy oh and I my was like, god yeah and this person and and I and I the per the CEO is somebody I know pretty well and I think it's just so ingrained in white people to combat the racial blunder that somebody has made with that term and, it's, and I'm gonna call it a term because it's not genuine 
I don't even think she knew this guy that well. It's just like, he's such a nice guy. Well, mm. okay, what did he do? Give you a dollar, buy you coffee one day? Give you a dollar for your coffee or buy yeah. you a bagel? That makes him a nice guy perpetually and nothing he does or says is wrong. And I just wanted to be like, I am not calling this man not nice, but what he did was racist and it was problematic. <laughs> yeah. And it, but this happens all the time. And and the reason I, and I'm, I'll let you. No, it's fine. <laughs> no, keep, keep going. Good. No, I'm, I'm, I'm totally like, so I have a thought, I, but please finish what you're going to no, say. No, I want you. Yeah, that, that is just, I just think it's, it's one of those things where it positions me to not be able to then say anything else. Yeah. Like, what am I supposed to say? If you tell me that this person is such a nice guy when I'm telling you he did something wrong, I'm going to have to try to deconstruct how I'm going to say what I'm going to say mm-hmm. to make it not his problem or not something he necessarily needs to fix, but just something he should be aware of. And the fact that you had to go to that the authority oh. figure and be palatable and be civil while you were confronting and expressing this frustration and pain. I, I assume it was painful for you, like frustrating at Absolutely. least. Yeah, to you have to like worry about how you're coming across so that you're not seen as whatever stereotype you're concerned about, you know. Like mm-hmm. that's just all around. That's that's like crazy making. Like that's got to be, right? Happens all the time and it is and that actually leads me to my next point because now what I what it has done is if I do not it kind of holds the conversation like this is how we're gonna have this conversation I'm telling you he's nice so now you have to walk through your conversation knowing that no matter what he said or did that he's a nice person right so I have to now maneuver around the nice pillars that they placed in front of me to, to have the conversation with you because if I don't hold up that he's nice in front of it, then I am the problem. And oh what it God. does to me is that if yeah. I don't hold that thought process and, and if I dis- discard it, like I don't give a shit if he's nice, then now I'm angry and I'm an angry black woman, specifically mm. me, that black people in general, uh, BIPOC in general could be angry, but now specifically for me, which we know is a full trope out in the world, I'm an angry black woman if I'm angry that this man said the n-word said the b-word called me by the wrong name if i'm angry at that i can i like i can't be because now i'm aggressive i ha- i've been called like you don't have to be i've had these conversations was like i understand that he's nice but this is a problem okay but you don't have to be so aggressive when you're just expressing yourself and like am i aggressive because here's the thing when you say when it's the same thing it's part of the reason that we even wanted when we had this conversation about calling um this show brave space is because people would often say this is a safe space and i'm like okay but or i'm i don't feel safe people would say i don't feel safe in this conversation i'll feel safe it's like well okay but are you physically feel do you physically feel like somebody's going to attack you no oh okay well then you are safe you're talking about being comfortable and Mm. if you're not comfortable in this conversation that i'm an aggressive black person who's so mean and now like your position i'm like like i can just see me turning into to the hulk as we're having this conversation and you're so innocent like he's such a nice guy i'm such a nice person i'm like so it's dumbfounding and it is incredible and it not only is it frustrating because that is the bare minimum of what it is i can't hear my dog sorry my puppies do howls and everything but like it's the bare minimum of what it is is frustrating is that it is 
so much work to to get through to be able to have this conversation. And often I think that when we talk, and this is why we talk specifically about white supremacy being detrimental to not only black people and but <clears throat> and BIPOC, but to everyone, because now you can't even be your authentic self. You have to walk in this veil of whoever you're supposed to be. You have to fit the norms. You have to be kind and like white women have to be kind and quiet and a damsel in distress because this is what civility is this is what being civil looks like now how often in conversation like if we were really gonna be uncivil black people like whatever you call civility if we were gonna be uncivil we'd be in every room i'd go to work throwing chairs every time <laughs> like can you imagine like after george floyd after brianna taylor after yeah. tatiana jefferson i would yeah. just go i would go into my place of business and just be like f this y'all stupid i hate white like that's not that's not a thing so that's not a thing we are being civil because we're just saying hey we want you to check in on us hey we want you to check in with yourself and why you're acting like this we want to not coddle you in every conversation that we have even the ones you bring up to me so it's just, it, it, yeah, yeah. It makes me think of when you line all these stories up side by side of like, he's a nice guy. He's a nice guy. She's a nice girl. Like, you know, you line all that stuff up together. It just seems like every time that knee jerk reaction for white people, to, white people to come to the rescue and to justify whoever made that, you know, racist, either over or curver infraction white people running to justify someone they don't even know very well or have even like allegiance to like someone I barely know if I'm like rushing to say oh they're but they're nice um it just seems like culmin like that culminates in this effort to like protect whiteness as oh, the innocent thing right like protect it as the innocent always justifiable always the center uh, never can be questioned. Uh, you have to assume positive intent all the time. Never, you know, like, and every time we fail to apologize and fail to make things right, like, we we protect that thing mm -hmm. that the thing, is... The thing being white supremacy as a system. We protect white supremacy as a system. Thank you. I was searching for the word to call it. We protect <laughs> white supremacy as a system. So, yeah, so maybe, maybe uh, white people who are watching, like, maybe don't rush to defend a fellow white person. And maybe I think don't. the place that it needs to happen first, that it often happens, is when you're saying something that your racist family member said. Oh my God. And I did it when we were teaching our class. I totally did this. I was like, oh, a family member, you know, said such and such, but they're really nice. I, I did it and I was teaching and the I had class to, and like, I had on anti-racism. I had to call Melody in. Yes, not out, you did. In, and yes. Say, okay. So what do you mm -hmm. mean when you say that? What does that look like? Is this person, you know, because it is, it's protecting white, it, you know, one of the things about protecting white supremacy is that you have to fall in line. So even, mm -hmm. even you who've been doing this work, who work really hard at doing these things and understanding you, your automatic notion or your automatic thought process is to say, remind, remind myself and this person that that person is a nice person. Yeah. It's knee jerk. It really is like an automatic reflex for me that I have to like consciously fight against to say, no, I'm not going to let them or myself off the hook in this. Like it's not, that's not fair. Yeah. I'm seeing I, Claudia. 
Claudia, Claudia, I can't remember, read this name fully, says white supremacy culture rewards people who protect rights, white supremacy. Yes, it does. Absolutely. 100%. That's a great comment. It has to. Because if I protect you, then I move up in the system. If I don't say anything, then I'm protecting the system. Um, So that kind of brings me to the last point before we go to our next segment, but um, is the difference between nice and polite and kind and humility. Yes. And I've been wanting to, so Robin, as we talked about earlier, earlier in the, at the beginning is that Robin D'Angelo just came out with the book, uh, nice racism. And I had been waiting for this book because for years I'd, I'd call whatever, whenever a person would do something that was like completely like the nice thing to do, I'd call it whiteness, politeness. Like this is how <laughs> white people are polite and they, and they speak yeah. a certain way. And they ha- yeah. like, even to the point where you can do and say something malicious in like the Southern speak, it'd be like, bless her heart. Like you'd be saying something <laughs> like that's just the way. And the, apparently there's like a Northern gay way to say it, which is, um, I love that for you. Like, yeah. The, somebody, I saw that, I saw that on TikTok the other day. I love that for you. And I love yeah. that is, that would be fun to do. But yeah, it's just this thought process of what is nice and what is polite yeah. is a certain, like you can, when you think about a nice, polite person, you often think of like your grandma, like she's a nice, she's polite and what that means, but it really is inauthentic. It's not like mm. you being, if, if you were nice and polite all the time, all the time, what it does is it's shutting you off from your actual humanity. Yes. If you had to do it all of the time. Yes. Imagine something is happening to you and you like imagine you're grieving or you're angry or you're whatever you know that you have to compartmentalize and be nice and polite but not authentic it's emotional repression is really what we're talking it is and it's so interesting because the only people who don't do it are children they are the Mm. only people who don't do it we're like we have to and we and what we do is teach them not how to, to 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 be you know nice and polite and live in this certain bubble of what they are when they have tantrums, when they're feeling a certain way, when they just don't want to. Like, could you imagine if you just got to like go somewhere and scream and have a tantrum like when something happened? Right? It would when be really be... cathartic, honestly. I, oh. I wish we had more space to actually awesome. say what we think. Absolutely. And yeah. you do, the thing is, you do, you just have to learn how to do it, right? Like you have to learn, yeah. you have to flex that muscle. But I think being nice and polite really takes away from what it means to be kind because nice and polite are very surface level. Yeah. It's very what you see, but it's nothing below that, right? It's yeah. the bread of the sandwich and nothing in between, right? Mm. So being kind is what it really means to go when you're going deep. Like, I don't care to always be nice. I'm usually honest and I'm not saying I'm honest to be like, I'm a bitch and I'm just going to say whatever, but I'm going to, I'm going to be authentic in how I talk to you. And I'm going to be kind in how I talk to you. I'm kind to the point where I would give you the shirt off of my back, but I'm going to say, okay, but what's going on here? Right? Like you want, (laughs) this is what you want your, and I'm trained as a therapist. So this is what you want your therapist to be. You want your therapist to be kind and understanding and authentic with you rather than her just being nice because you may not get anywhere yeah right and then just this sense of humility that you don't get to have like being having this humility where you're like i understand what someone else is going through and i'm going to engage with them on the standpoint of where they're coming from even if i can't see it or i don't understand it if i'm going to believe that they're going through it and i'm going to engage with them authentically about it does that make sense? Oh, that's a cool definition of humility. Humility. Yeah, I like. I was gonna ask you what you what you meant by humility, like what that word means to you, because it means a lot of. For some people, it means like very like 
self-browbeating, like talking yourself down or like devaluing yourself. And I've heard that used like in that context a lot. So I, I really like your definition a lot better. Right. Yeah, it is. Like, I mean, you don't understanding to... you're not the center of the world, basically. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So there's, I think there's a Jewish term. I went to uh, high holidays at um, uh, a university one day and they were talking about, um, it, it's a scripture that's like, the world was created for me, where God says the world is created for me and everything in it. And then on the flip side, it says, I am but dust to the world, right? Mm. Like just balancing that you are like God, everything that's here, God put for you. For for those who believe you can call it the universe or whatever, um, whatever works for you and your belief system, but understanding that you are a tiny speck, but then also God loves you immensely. The, the universe is here for you, but that's how you care for the world. And that's what I think when we go back to things like indigenous engagements like we understand or indigenous practices we understand that we can we can you know eat off the food chain but also give back to the earth right Mm. it's a it's cyclical instead of hierarchical i love that i love that like call back to balance for me my working definition of kindness is the perfect blend of love and truth Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. it's not loving if you're only harshly telling the truth in a way that like destroys somebody Right. But it's also not loving to not have any truth at all. And the, sometimes like so often niceness boils down to this. We're, we're literally going to perpetuate dishonesty because we're so afraid of rocking the boat. We're so afraid of of getting into real conversation, being authentic. Like we've talked about several times in this conversation. We're so afraid of, of disrupting systems, disrupting norms. We're so afraid of of disrupting relationships and, and what that might mean. But it, it's just so... I, I, I guess at the end of the day, like what I'm realizing as I'm talking is like niceness is really f- based in fear, whereas kindness is based in love. And I think that's mm-hmm. the difference between the two. Yeah. So we could probably have this conversation for another couple hours, but I want to I want to get into um, another segment. And this is something yeah. that we talked about, um, kind of like what's going on in the world. <laughs> so I want to I wanted to bring to to um, to Mel. Um, something I saw on social media t- today, um, and it was a firefighter in, I believe it's New York and might be Boston. Okay, wait, I'm um, going to pull this up on so we can okay. get a picture, a visual. <laughs> it's, it's very important. Ridiculous. <laughs> so a fighter, fire, a firefighter, a female firefighter, a black woman is suing the department or she's suing a mural arts program, um, that did a mural of the heroes and so she did there they do they did a mural and she's a black woman and then she's in the picture with two white people and they painted her white like they legit she's a person of color and they painted her white and if you go see it i, I saw it on the shade room um it came from i think daily mail but you, if you go see it not only did they pay her white they made this woman look like a ghost I'm gonna wait. I'm, I'm gonna put it up. Okay, I figured, I think I figured out how it. Oh my word! It's just so. Did bad. you find it? Yeah. It's I think so I did. Let's see if I can pull it up. It's yeah. Please so keep talking. It's so, so she's. Yes. Here it is. So the, oh. the picture of her is at the bottom. The picture of whatever white amalgamation of a ghost man is at the top. <laughs> oh my god! And I, it's just so bad. What? <laughs> oh no! Uh-huh. Let's see. Ah! If that thing appeared in my home, I would say, like 
It, that, that's enough to haunt your dreams right there. Because it is not, and if you're not seeing this on TikTok, please Sorry. go to, yeah, to yeah. Brainspace. Look it up. And, and you'll see it. But like, or, or go to um, The Shade Room or Daily Mail on on um, Instagram. And they painted her. But I I see that image and I think that's a ghost. It like, looks were like they a not ghost. finished painting? And apparently they did, they, they depicted other people poorly as well. Um, so it, other was it just a bad artist or like but it's also florida i just like oh uh, florida which florida okay if you're from florida and you're watching right now um i won't apologize no actually you already know you already know (laughs) right you already know (laughs) yes the florida i said boston but yes it's florida but like she's suing them and i think rightfully so because why would you ever not only did they make her white they made her a white ghostly man like (laughs) It's like not funny. I'm sorry. I'm, I I no, feel like inappropriate wild. for laughing. It's it's, it's, it's so wild. It's like, so not okay that someone would think it's okay. Like, in what universe like would you think that would be it. okay? What's that? Like the deeper part of it being like because they were painting heroes. Is that is she not a hero? Mm. Is she not like worthy of being talked about as a hero here? Like I just don't. I don't. I don't know. Thoughts. Yeah. Thoughts. Any more thoughts? That, erasure. Like, it's. It's like. It's like full blown erasure of someone's identity. I just. Um, I can't. When I saw it, I was like, now what now? <laughs> now what now? Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't know. That was my. That was my like WTF moment today, and I was like, mm, I cannot. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, can't, Fair. I just can't. I cannot. Um. So. The other, the last thing that we'll bring to you, and I don't know if Mel, we'll go back and forth with our, with this segment um, about things that like freak us out during the week that are like, really what girl? the heck just happened? <laughs> right. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> um, and the last thing we wanted to do, and we'll do this weekly, is bring you, before we close out, um, I, I know that we're, we're at time on our show but we'll keep it going um and you can uh, always if you have something to do because you were going to be on from eight to nine that's great we will be we do post them um at breakspacelive.com yeah let me so make we, sure i'm saying yeah we right. broadcast live every tuesday 8 p.m eastern yes. yes and then everything's posted um facebook youtube of uh, twitter and I don't think TikTok saves the live, but you can watch it live on any, you can watch it later on any of those platforms. But yeah. Yes. And uh, our website. And our website. Everything's on the website. Bravespacelive.com. Yeah. So we want to bring you um, questions. And if you haven't sent a question, please send a question. We will, um, this person asked to be anonymous. So I'm going to read the question and please do. <laughs> it's nine o'clock at night. So don't make fun of me if I mess something up. But we wanted to kind of go over this. Actually, Melody, can you read the question this weekend? And uh, sure. because I I found it, so I would like for you to read it, and oh, we sure. can both um, give some answers. So, so this is it. brand new to me. I haven't I haven't read this yet. So, okay, my friend was watching a home decor television show and was describing the episode to me over the phone. Um, do you know the the race of the or the ethnicity of the person who submitted the question? Uh, it's a, a white person. A white person submitted this question to us. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So my friend said this particular episode featured a gay couple who appeared to be handsome and wealthy, and my friend also mentioned that one of the gentlemen was black and the other one was white. I felt it was wrong of her to bring race into it because no one's race should ever matter. So my question is, am I being anti-racist if I refuse to use race as a descriptor? 
Tyshell, you go first on this one. <laughs> <laughs> so two things, I think two things are at play here. And this is, uh, you can always submit your questions um, to On Brave Space Live and we will answer them. You can ask for us to leave you anonymous as this person did. Yeah. Uh, so two things are at play here. We have to understand what the definition of anti-racism is, right? And then we also have to understand like, I want to understand like what is being asked, right? Um, so first, <laughs> uh, race can be a descriptor. It's how you talk about it, right? But then also I'm gonna, and I'll, I'll, I'll put that aside for a second and say that what an anti-racist is, and at, at one, being anti-racist and versus anti-racist, like we use the moniker ally a lot. Like ally is not like a stripe you get on your shirt, like, you know, a logo that you become and stay forever. It's like, <laughs> and this is right. And this is why verified ally. I'm verified. I'm, I got a blue check on my ally, on my allyship. So the other, the, the, and we, that's why we changed it into like co-conspirator ally is what you do. It's a verb, that kind of thing. Being and being anti-racist is that you don't have to be free from racism, but you have to be actively working against racism to be doing anti-racism, to be anti-racist in that moment. Because this, the moment you stop, you, you stop working against the system and stop pushing, then you're no longer being anti-racist at that moment, right? It is a moment to moment thing. It is a thing. It is a, a project to project thing. It's like, you gotta be, you're a subcontractor in the world of racism and you got to keep to keep your job you got to keep doing stuff you can't just be anti-racist like we're not gonna pay you while you off the job like that's not the thing <laughs> so be being anti-racist is an action of you know fighting against racism now i would say race as a descriptor is not a problem i think what this question is kind of leading to is color blindness yeah versus seeing that person so if you say there's a black guy, and I've had this happen to me. I had this happen to me um, one day I was at the pool and somebody was like, yeah, there's this guy, he has a dog. And, and they were describing everything about, he has curly hair. And I was like, he's black? And they were like, oh my God. It was like, it was like, they, were like, it was like they were holding their breath. Oh God, you said it, thank you. I didn't want to be rude. And I was like, no if they're black they're especially i think because that person was saying something negative about this person so they absolutely didn't want to say this yeah. person's race but in this case i don't think that using race is a problem if you don't use race as a descriptor you're saying that the person's race is bad race does matter now is race biological no is race more phenotype yes it's what you look like and that's the difference between biology and phenotype. Phenotype is what you what you appear to be, what you look like, right? But race matters, especially in our country. Race can stop mattering when we take it off of every form that you have to fill out, when we pull it out of every, like that's when maybe race won't matter, when we're having these conversations and there's no need to. But I think you can say, yeah, there was a black couple and a white couple. I mean, a black, a black there's a couple and one was black and one was white. They're really wealthy, whatever. I don't have a problem saying, oh, my friend, and they are, if it's who they are, because it's not bad to say that. Like, I don't, you, whenever I tell somebody that my sister is gay, I'm not like saying it like to make it a declaration that it's a bad thing. It just is, and yeah. that's okay, right? I don't, I want people to describe me as, but I don't even let people call me African-American because it feels very political. I'm black. 
that's who I am. That's how I am. That's what I am, right? Like that's how I present myself in the world. I'm black and that's fine. So when people say, no, 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 don't say he's black. No, it's okay. Race as, race as a descriptor is fine because being black is also fine. And, and I just want to take away from what this person thinks is like color blindness. Like race doesn't matter, but it does. And if you yeah. can't see me as black, then you can't see the struggles and the successes that come along with me also being black. And I'm, I love being black. I would take away some of the, the, the racism, but I'd still want to be black. So how, how do you feel? About, yeah. How, how do you feel about the read? Like, you know, it's okay to point out people's races because we're, we can, we're allowed to celebrate, you know, the right. fact that there are many types of race. Although for white people, it's like, we don't want to celebrate white power. So like that gets complicated, right? I mean, but you don't have to sell I mean, when you're celebrating, you don't have to, you can say that you're white because that's what you are in America. That's what the descriptor is under there, but you don't have to be like, yes, white power. You can be like, I mean, <laughs> the only reason we'd say power in any, in any context for black people is because there is, there's a lack of, yeah. right? So, but you could have like black pride, you could have, you know, Scottish pride, you could have Italian pride in whoever you are, yeah. but just to not see it is, is false because you can see that that person is black and that yeah. that person's race matters, especially to the person who it is. Like it matters that I'm black. So I think when we're talking about it and, and I want to make sure I got the question right. Like, I think color blindness, the opposite is like color brave is what they say. Like that's the, that's color the brave. Yeah, be color brave. I like, like that. I, I'm, I'm yeah. black and that's, great for me that's good like yeah. it's great for me i'm I just whatever but i think people get really scared because they don't want to say something negative or for black to come across as a negative thing but if yeah. you're not thinking about it being negative like there was a black guy and he was homeless yeah oh i just said he was black and he was homeless two bad things there there are two negatives does it equal to positive like no i'm like no there was a homeless black man but yeah. like we can then we can talk about why they're the population of homeless people are you know a certain color or a certain race certain gender certain uh sexuality we can have that conversation but that also serves to not have the conversation because you're like they were a couple and it doesn't matter what race they are yeah yeah it does well it's i mean fine. i think it's i think okay so it's we are allowed to celebrate interracial couples just like we're allowed to celebrate gay couples it seemed to me so the way this question was, was worded was interesting because they're like yeah so my friend mentioned one gentleman was black and the other one was white I think for me, it would have been problematic if it was like, oh, yeah, they were two. It was a couple and there was a man and there was a black man. Right. So like right. that would make whiteness man. normal. And then right. being a person of color would be other. Right. Uh, but if you're mentioning the ethnicity or the race of both people in the situation, then you're being equanimous. What's the word? Right. <laughs> It's like, it's, it's like in fiction. It's, it's like yeah. in fiction, the conversations around like all, all the ways authors try to creatively describe people of color, like their skin was like toasted cocoa beans. It, <laughs> but you don't hear people going, oh, they're so vanilla, like marshmallow cheeks. Oh and, my God. You, know, you don't so hear. so much of that. They'll be like, she had skin the color of caramel or dark chocolate. <laughs> but you don't, they don't describe white people like that. So like, I think. You know, you you have either be a respecter of everybody in the same way, right? Um, so there was in, a couple, in, and and they there was a couple. Were, one was, was black, great. one was white, right? And I also we can talk about the whole black people being called by food names because there's a whole there's two two different just like how we talk about it, and one is like this book called The Delectable Negro that we'll talk about, oh. and then the other one being um, 
akin to like different slang terms and food. So we'll have to have that conversation oh, yeah. later. But I found this, this question so interesting because I don't think you not, and the other point being, you not saying the person's race doesn't make you anti-racist. Like that's not an action that necessarily exists in that. Now, if you were saying, yes, they, there's a couple and I'm so glad then you went and did something or you went and gave money to a fund that helps, you know, black people buy houses because of redlining and suburbia and all of that, then maybe that would be an anti-racist act um, versus it, you just not saying it. It's like I, and because interrupting racism would be an anti-racist act, but this is not racism for them just to say, use it as a descriptor. It's fine. Like we are okay being black. I love it. It's fine. I'm, I love, um, when I say I love, we love it. I love being black. I'm okay with being black. I don't want to be anything else. There's a time in my life I thought being something different would be better, but then I also I realized I couldn't be that. I could be an astronaut, but I can't be a white a white girl. It's fine. So I'm black and I'm proud to be that because that's all I know. That's all I got. And God foresee that this was something that I should be, and that's who I am. And it, it's, it would be boring for us all to be the same. We don't it would be. be the same. Yeah. Difference. It's okay to celebrate difference. Exactly. Uh, and I and I really I I think that's a great place to end. Tyshell, what you're saying what I'm hearing you say, and correct me if I'm wrong, but but anti-racist work as a verb is something that is active, not passive. Like to just like refrain from engaging mm -hmm, is, mm -hmm. uh, that that's not r usually anti-racism. Is no, that- No, and if you think about it from the, you know, we all know, well, most people know that um, the term anti-racist was coined by Ibram X. Kendi, and he talks about it being an, an act against racism like to be anti-racist is an act against racism mm. and often he's talking about it in a very um policy way right to be anti-racist is to create um to is to work against racist policies right and we can talk yeah. about that and what that looks like so there's not really one individual that is an anti-racist they're working against right if you are working against racism then you are doing anti-racist work right and yeah. whatever that looks like, but there, the moment you stop doing it, then you're not doing it anymore. You're not doing anti-racist work because you know the system is set up for white people to be complicit with white supremacy, to get along, all, yeah. even though it's hurting them as well. Which we'll have to have, a, a, which because a whole other conversation that we can have. So, so message of the day: uh, disrupting racism is also disrupting civility in many ways. But mm -hmm. let's be brave. Let's be bold. Let's do it anyway because uh, this work is really is really necessary so that we don't have to have this uh, happen in our society anymore. Right, and be having these conversations that sound really robotic and we can just be authentic and talk about what's actually happening, right? We should just have everyone wear hoodies and... Um, have seven microphones and talk real, about Real And real talk and just don't be fancy. Don't have your four forks, just have one fork. Eat some spaghetti. Why y'all got so many forks? There's too many forks. I agree. This, we two did spoons, two forks, a knife. Yeah. I'm like, what? What is this? You know, as kids, we we did like we had a lot. We my parents like we didn't do cotillion like per se because I grew up in California. That was like more of a southern thing. But we definitely like had like the little old ladies in our church were were conscripted to like teach us how to have manners. Um, and they like they literally like put us in pearls and little gloves and hats and like did tea parties so that we could learn to like use the proper forks and stuff. Like, 
I guess. Um, I don't know how that served me in life. How I don't does think shrimp have it have its own fork? There's a I shrimp don't know. Fork. Why? Does shrimp I don't know. have its own separate... Y'all Why tell does shrimp get to be that special? I, I can't even eat shrimp. I'm allergic. But still, we'll you figure. are anyway. Yes, I'm allergic. Learned Definitely. So much we'll about, about you. This is anyway. great. <laughs> well, have a great night, everybody. Thank you for coming and engaging with us on TikTok, on YouTube, on Twitter, on Brayspace Live, everywhere. Everywhere. Facebook. Yeah. Exact Facebook. Did I forget Facebook? We Facebook. are in all the feeds all everywhere. the time. Okay. <laughs> Um, we'll be back next week, um, Tuesday at 8 p.m., having another conversation. Hopefully, we'll get one of our one of my DEI friends who I've partnered with on some work to have a good conversation with us. Um, but we'll be back. We'll be here. We'll be back. We'll have Every Tuesday. Our hoodies on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll see you all then. Roll that, roll that outro. I'm rolling. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.